In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show this afternoon. Lots of great guests to meet today. Terry Prone's in the house with us. I'm really looking forward to meeting her again. Her new book is marvellous. It really, really is. It's a no-holds-barred memoir and she's joining me around about 2.30 today in the show. We've missed Loud Amy Moyna in the house too and Bala McKenny Farm. They're innovating again with their new purple potato salad. Two on Tuesday, top five countdown and more besides coming your way. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets me this afternoon as usual. Now, we've been talking in recent days from the Israeli side and the Palestinian side about the awful war in the Middle East and on it goes. On another aspect of this, people go on holidays to the Middle East and it's a very popular area to visit. With it and the strife going on there and, of course, what's happening in the Ukraine and that part of Europe as well, it's not easy for people in the business. And I'm joined now by Martin Skelly, synonymous with Navin Travel and a board member of the ITAA at the moment. Martin, welcome back to the show. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. How popular, just in a general sense, just pick up on that, will you, is the Middle East visitor-wise? It is. Well, last year... Uh, El Al introduced a direct service between Dublin and Tel Aviv, and that was proving very popular. So you could get, without stopping, it made Tel Aviv a city destination, and that was working really well. So we had found that there was an increase in general tourism. Traditionally, Israel would have been known as tourism to Israel was tourism to the Holy Land, and Mm. it was pilgrimage-based travel. Over the last number of years, that has developed because a number of cruise ships stop in Israel and they visit uh, some of the tourist resorts and you can take their trips, we'd say, from Tel Aviv to Tel Aviv and on to Jerusalem. Uh, then you have direct services. And as people's travel appetite has expanded, it has come more into the general travel market. Now, it's a limited market, but it has developed hugely over the last number of years. Uh, the last couple of weeks, unfortunately, have just seen that grind to a halt. It's been it's terrible, really. So it is. What happens if you have plans to visit there and you had booked and arrangements in place round about now or into the future? You've no option. It, it's off the agenda, is it? it Would you be covered, uh, you know, insurance wise? That you're going to have to cancel, aren't you? Yeah. Well, look, it depends on when you're travelling. Uh, we have a number of groups who 
have who have arrangements to travel next year. We really don't know what's going to happen yet. We actually have groups, uh, a number of people going out this year, and we're close to finalising uh, what's going to happen with the uh, groups coming up in the near future. You're right, Jerry. Nobody is going to travel to a war zone. Uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs has have issued a travel advisory against all non-essential travel to Israel, which is very understandable. In that instance, we will, of course, be in a position to refund our customers. Mm. And I just want to say on that basis, Jerry, because they would have booked through us a licensed and bonded agent, um, any money that's paid to us is 100% secure. Customers can cancel their trips and postpone their trips. So they're covered even without talking about insurance. They're covered, we cover it from a commercial point of view anyway. But on the ground, we look and see what's happening on a constant basis. I mean, I was in touch yesterday with our people in Israel, and we have people on both sides of the political divide, both on the Arab-Palestinian front and on the Jewish front. And all of them are deeply, deeply affected. Um, and business for a lot of them has, in the immediate term, ground to a halt. I'll give you an example. We were talking to one of, the, one of our guides, and he's at home. He has nothing to guide. He's sitting at home. He's unemployed at the moment. We were talking to somebody else, and they're possibly going to be called up in military service. They don't know. But that's in the immediate future. Really, at this time of the year, most of our travel to Israel is going to be in the spring, summer and autumn of next year. And that's what we've been busy doing at the moment. So that's sort of on hold pending, um, I suppose, information and updates. So we're looking at it very closely on a daily basis. And we're keeping in touch with our customers and with our suppliers and the air and the, our airline partners. Yeah, it's an aspect of life that uh, is important for people who are looking forward to visiting there, the Holy Land, as you mentioned there, Tel Aviv coming into the picture as a metropolitan city as well. But look, it's all an aside when you see what's going on in Gaza and what happened in Israel a couple of weekends ago. On top of this, Martin, while you're with me, the war is raging in Ukraine and you know, you know the way news works. It's hardly mentioned uh, in the last two weeks. You guys, travel agents, travel people, it's not been easy, has it, the last couple of years? Well, it's certainly been a challenge. And you're right, Jerry, that Ukraine has been eclipsed somewhat by events, but eclipsed totally by events in the Middle East. And sure, business has been a challenge. But really, the resolution for us is, I suppose, dealing with it. We're, we're on the spot all the time to deal with our customers. We're on the spot to deal with our suppliers. We deal with our suppliers. And our suppliers are not people that we deal with on a once-off basis. We have a long-established, trusted and respected trading relationship with the people that we do business with on the ground. So when our customers arrive in places like Israel, they're taken care of from the flight touches down at the airport until it departs from the airport. And our teams are on the ground there, and they're really hugely professional at what they do. And at the moment, we just sympathize so much with all of them, mm-hmm. because we know they have our interests at heart, because ultimately our interests are their interests. And it's a hand and glove arrangement, Jerry. Yeah. And, and you know, what, what you say bears out the point that, you know, we can all go online and book our flights, book our trips, do this, do that. But I have great trust in you guys and the travel agents business because what you say there is such a reassurance when things go wrong. You have people on the ground. You have people back at home here. It's a huge fill up, even in this era of click and go, isn't it? 
It is, yeah, it is, and it's important for a lot of people. But I suppose particularly in places like the Holy Land, because it's not just the safety net. Like, we don't like to promote ourselves as just, well, we're a safety net. We're a little bit more than that. We have expertise on the ground. Take, and the Holy Land is a classic example. Like, we time itineraries for the best times to get in and out to all the various holy sites and religious, religious sites in the Holy Land. That's our guides looking at to see simple little things like, what's the traffic like today? Will we do A first and B second or vice versa? So it's fluid and it's moving and there's lots of moving parts all the time. We want to make sure that everybody who goes to the Holy Land has what is for most people the experience of a lifetime. Most people will visit the Holy Land once in their lifetime. You know, I, really I, I, I want to say to you, it's something I would love to do in my lifetime too. I've never been there, but anyone I've spoken to who has been there talk about its beauty, the way it really gets to you. And that's from all religious perspectives as well, Martin. And it's just so sad to understand the way it's just imploding, isn't it, at the moment? Uh, it, it, it's really terribly, terribly sad. I mean, we've dealt, we deal with Arab guides, Catholic guides, Christian guides, Jewish yeah. guides. Uh, Jewish and Christian handling agents. We've dealt with a range of suppliers and their priority always is to look after their customers. And I was talking to one of them, corresponding with one of them recently, and they're worried that their sons are going to be called up for military duty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have domestic worries, they have personal worries. Of course. It it reaches quite deeply. Oh, that's the point. Yeah, that's the point you wanted to talk to you about today. But look, Martin, I have to leave it there for today. I thank you for joining me on the show and uh, assuring people who travel with you, uh, you're on the ball with them and will always be. But we think of all the people there today and the implications of this horrible Horrible, horrible war. Martin Skelly from Navin Travel, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you, Jerry. Take care of yourself. That's Martin Skelly there. Back in a moment with your late lunch. Just to mention, uh, Navin parishioners of the Catholic faith are observing a day of fasting and prayer for the Holy Land this very day in solidarity with communities on all sides. It's been going on since morning with rosary, mass, adoration from 12 noon. The Way of the Cross is on at 3 o'clock. Angela's and Rosary at six and the night prayer and benediction is happening in St. Mary's Church in Navin all day today. If you'd like to join in and pray for peace, very worthwhile indeed and well done to all there. Column had a competition on sport for a Neil Sports voucher. The winner is Geraldine Cahill, the Mead captain, of course, this year in the Talton Cup win was Donald Keoghan was the answer we were looking for. Well done, Geraldine. We'll be in touch to organise that voucher for you. You forgot the club milks. I forgot the club milks. <laughs> I have no excuse. I can just bombard you with different things, but I forgot the club milks. My bad. Yeah. And the purple Slap snacks, the purple snacks are here. The purple snacks are yeah, here. Yeah, so we'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to do it. No, yeah. don't worry, don't I'll worry. You're a, busy, you're a busy woman. Sure. You're, you're, you're flying all over the place. You're trying to juggle that many balls at the I know, there's I no excuse. I did think of them this morning and it just went out of my head. <laughs> you see, you've got to become like me and make the lists. Yeah, no, no, that'll I know. never happen. I don't that'll do never this. Folks, that will never, ever happen. I do make a list to do a list, but it never happens. <laughs> <laughs> I do make a list to do a list. I'm trying to figure that out. But no, anyway, in my head, I, <laughs> I just go do a list of, you know, grocery shopping. No. Anyway, we, we haven't forgotten, folks. We are going to come back to the taste test on the club mm-hmm. milk versus the purple snack. Purple snack won by a mile anyway. Yes, Jerry has anyway. to eat the middle bit. 
of each. So I have to suck you, all the chocolate No, no, off. I don't mean the middle bit. I mean, uh, you can't eat, eat the, the two ends of the bar because that's where the most chocolate is. And yeah, you that's reckon. Okay. That's okay. So you just have to it's okay. go I'll do, with I'll, the middle I'll bit. do whatever you say and see if you can. T- no, you won't change my mind. Anyway, we'll give it a fair test. That is for sure. Did you see the sky this morning? Anyone out there see the sky this morning? It my daughter saw it. She said she oh went to get a picture on her phone, but it didn't work. God, it was Fabulous. blood red. The eastern sky was blood red this morning. That's a it warning. was the reddest red. Correct, Louise. You have it. That's mm. the, exactly what I wanted to say. A red sky in the morning is a shepherd's warning. A red sky at night, it's shepherd's delight. It was a warning this morning because the bloody rain is on the way later on in the day. But it was spectacular. I was trying to get a picture of myself and <laughs> ran into a little bother too. Not just your Katrina. Same happened to me too. But I was looking at it thinking... Wow, that bears out the old saying for sure. We're in now for 40 days and 40 nights of rain. Do you know that? And it's nothing to do with St. Swithin. Uh, It's a washout. The next six to seven days of rain every single blimmin' day. It's desperate. It really is. Anyway, sure, look, we it's need so, to drink big more drains. <laughs> it's, it's Ireland. It's Ireland. And listen, anyway, more rain. No water shortages, you know. Quality of water, we're not sure, but there'll be no shortages anyway. Anyway, coming up after two, Miss Loud, Amy Moyna is joining me. But before all that, it's a big day for Oisin Leach. He's a talented musician. It's his debut solo single, In Our Irish Slot. Have a listen to Brilliant, it's Brilliant, October Sun. I was far from my mind I was so far behind With the autumn light in my eyes I was rolling home Adrift and alone Late for the day Like a skimming stone October sun What have you done You'd make a fool Of each and every one October sun Where will you run Now that you've Broken rank With each and every one Isn't Oshin Leach's new song just lovely? Released today on all the streaming platforms. What a talented family they are there over in Navin. Well done, Oshin. We love the song and you can download it on all the streaming platforms from today, October Sun, it's called, and there's a tour on the way across Europe for Oshin as well. And, you know, I segued lovely into that song, talking about the sky this morning. Oh, my word. Thank you so much to Derek Brown. He sent me in a WhatsApp picture of the sky, the one I didn't get or anybody else. It is just magnificent. Well done, Derek. Other people saying, Jerry, it was a great morning to be alive. Another one. What a fabulous morning, Jerry. Glad you mentioned it. Did the old heart good. And another one there about Martin Skelly opened the show with me about uh, 
people travelling to the Middle East. A listener saying, I just love travel agents. I always book with them and it's a massive reassurance when you're away from home. Thank you indeed for your comments. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, I'm delighted to say hello to my next guest because you know her daddy well. He was the star of Late Lunch for more or less two years on Tuesdays. Yes, I'm talking about Professor Paul Miner. Well, she's a chip off the old block because Amy Miner is with me today and guess what? She's Miss Louth. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, Jerry. Thanks very much for having me on. Will the daddy be jealous? I know, yeah, I'm taking over now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, he's great and he was great to us. And listen, it's great to have you here with us today. And I want to mention your mam, Therese, is with us in studio as well today. Anyway, Miss Louth, congratulations. I love the crown as well. Tell us the story. Why did you enter? Thanks very much, Jerry. So it was basically... I've never done anything like it before. So the application process, I just saw it on Instagram through social media. So I applied in January time and we had an online interview, got past that. Obviously, you know, you're not expecting anything. Got past that, got through to the selections, which was in August. And then got through there, was a finalist, was told I was a finalist. And then we had the launch party where everyone got their sashes and you got your titles. So... It's crazy. Mm. Yeah, the crown suits you well. <laughs> Thanks it's, very it's much. lovely on the head there. <laughs> I don't think I've taken it off. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you? Why would you exactly. when you win? I'll tell you, I've interviewed a number of Miss Louds yeah. in my time here at, at this microphone and Chelsea Farrell in particular, who went all the way. Wouldn't that be just great if you could oh, it'd replicate be brilliant, that, wouldn't honestly. It? Mad. So crazy. Anyway, you have big boots to fill and you go forward yeah. to the final now on the 4th of November. 4th of November, yeah. And you're up against all the other lovely girls from around the country from the different counties who've won their titles as well. Yeah, so okay. there's loads of girls from all the different counties. Now there's probably multiple from like Dublin, the bigger oh, sort of counties. Of course, yeah. And do you know what, what happens on that night? What do you have to do on that night? So we've just had, we had our first rehearsal there two Sundays ago and it's basically, so there's the modelling as- aspect of it. So you're going to walk... We have an evening gown section and there's an opening and all that jazz. And so we have that sorted. And then we have, there's a lot of prep before it. So I know Sunday coming, we have like challenges, pre-challenges. So there's like a head-to-head, which is public speaking. There's a modelling challenge, which is to do with makeup. And there's a sports day challenge as well. So that's all kind of t- comes into account then on the day. Oh, you see, you think <laughs> it's just about walking down the catwalk on the night. Not a bit of it. There's so much more There's involved. So much more to it. So yeah. you, that, that all counts then for the final decision yeah. on the night itself. That's great to hear because that's a, a wider remit altogether from the traditional view on it. Um, tell us a bit about you. We were in Ballapusta School, you know this, yeah. with an outside broadcast during the summer there. Oh, what a day we had. with The new school, the children, the parents, the principal, everything. We had a wonderful day there. Did you go there? I did, yeah. So Ballapusta was the primary school that I went to and it was also the first school that I did my placement in. I'm studying to be a primary school teacher. So I was there... I'm in third year now, so that would have been two years ago. And I went to the open day of the school and it's gorgeous. It's massive. And it's so different to the time when I was there and the time I was teaching there. But it's like gorgeous school. So that's what I'm doing at the minute, primary school teaching. Good on you. And, you know, going back, what was that like? You know, I often wonder, you know, you were a student at the school and my word, I'm sure you would love to be in that new school as oh, it yeah. is oh, today. It's and all it has. What's it like going back? And, and you know, you know, teaching in the school where you were educated? Yeah, it was... It was really weird going in. Now, it kind of gave you a sense of comfort going back to somewhere you knew you weren't like, where's the office? Where's this classroom? And the class I was in, I was with my fifth class teacher. 
from when I was in school. So it was like a full circle moment. <laughs> it was so weird. But no, I loved it. Mm. Why teaching? What, what, why, why do you want to teach? What is it? I think I was, I was, I was between like every profession possible. Like I was mm. thinking of going dad's way through science or even like law, like any, every profession possible. But I love like talking in front of people. And even then I'll be big into singing, dancing and acting. And I think bringing that into the classroom is great. And you kind of get a sense of, because I was interested in everything, all the subjects kind of come together. Mm. So yeah, and then I love the kids as well. Oh yeah, primary school children are just the best, aren't they? Oh, it's such a beneficial job. It's a pity we all grow up. I know, it? I know. <laughs> if we could just stay with that <laughs> innocence, especially in the in the younger classes as well. Wouldn't it be simply wonderful? But anyway, good luck to you. How much more time have you to uh, devote to studies before you're qualified? So I have the rest of this year. So I'm starting my placement actually within... The Miss Ireland final comes between the placements. Yes. So I have the rest of this year and then I have one more year next year and then I'll be qualified. And any plans for... The one thing about this qualification, you can take it anywhere as oh, well. Yeah, That's yeah. the brilliant thing about it, of course, and you can build on it in the future. Would you like to teach back in Balapusta or will you throw your horizons further? I would, yeah. Like The school is lovely. Even before mm. I loved Balapusta anyway, so especially with the new school, it really just adds on. It's lovely. Wouldn't it be a great story to go in <laughs> there and get your post, post there? It would be wonderful. Please God, fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. You. you mentioned stage there. Tell yeah. me a bit about that. I know you love this aspect of your oh, life, yeah. don't you? Yeah, so I was always big into singing, dancing and acting. So I was always involved in stage heels since I was four. I think it was the best thing that mum put me into. You know, when you're involved in everything, the best thing. So I was always kind of that aspect and being on stage and everything. So then the modelling with Miss Ireland was kind of taking a different stance. I was more the acting rather than the modelling. But I love that just as much. It kind of even ties in. I think that it's beneficial as well. That ties in with the, even the stage presence and everything. Like, I still love it. Mm. And, and of course, you're going to have plenty of time to develop that more yeah. as you move beyond your studies and you get your job, etc. Congratulations on the double, or am I saying it on the treble now? <laughs> I believe you're safe behind the wheel of a car. I am. After I ye- <laughs> yes- was it yesterday? It was yesterday and it was a case of, do I book my test? between everything that's going on it was the most crazy time and I was looking up yesterday it was like what to do if you're stressed for your test and the first thing was don't book your test at a time when you have loads going on so between Miss Ireland and placement prep I was like I'll book it anyway if I pass I pass if I fail I fail and I ended up passing so I'm delighted at myself <laughs> So you're qualified now to I am, drive yeah. a car on a company you have to keep them plates up do you for a little yeah, while Yeah so you've end plates for two years yeah. And how, how, where did you start driving? How long are you actually behind the wheel of a car? When did you take your first lesson or sit in behind the wheel for? So I had my first lesson, it would have been August of last year. Yes. So I started then and then have kind of been doing them mm. since. Where did you do the test? Um, in Dundalk. All right, no bother. No, we were good. Flew it. <laughs> do you, you still do the theory? Do you have to do, have you do yeah, theory Yeah, so the beforehand? theory test was before, so I did that in the summer. And then on the day of the test, they ask you a few questions as well, just to make sure. Mm. And no, no, were, were you nervous? You know, this, this is years and years since I did it. Yeah. Were you nervous? I wasn't really before it. It was only the night before that it kind of kicked in of, oh, I'm doing my test. And when I was sitting there waiting, I was like, oh. Oh no. Yes. <laughs> but no, even during it, I was fine. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> and you took formal lessons. Did dad or mam give you, le- take you out in the car as well? Um, yeah. So apart from my lessons, I went out with dad. I went out with mam once and she never got in the car with me again. So <laughs> took my brother out once. He would not get in the car and he still won't. He said I would <laughs> when I passed my test, but he still, he's a bit iffy. So dad was the one who was sitting with me. <laughs> I always think it's great to have 
it's say that you pass first time. Oh yeah, no, it's the best you thing. You know, no one can ever take that yeah. away from you and it's often a little niggle we have with people. But did you get it first time? Well, you yeah. did, young woman. Well done to you. Thanks and that's a, a, another another thing ticked, ticked off, off yeah. a, a, on the road of life to, <laughs> to use the pun. Um, back to the uh, Miss Ireland uh, because we mentioned there and you mentioned there's a lot more involved. Yeah. You have a charity event coming up. Tell our listeners about that. Yeah, I do. So... With Miss Ireland, the thing that kind of attracted me to the competition as well was the fact that it's split between the beauty side and then they also have their beauty with a purpose side, which is their charity side of the competition. So every contestant runs an event to raise money for the overall Miss Ireland charity. So this year it's the Julian Benson CF Foundation and then you pick your own charity. So for me, it was RD Hospice Home Care. So that was, it was a no brainer for me because I think everyone in the town, they know how much work the hospice does. And then I, even myself, they give so much help to my uncle. You know, everyone has benefited from the hospice. They're brilliant. Mm -hmm. So I'm having a tea day on the 28th of October from 12 till 5 and it's at my house. So if you need my address, you can message me on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm having it then. And another thing is anyone who donates on the day or donates I have the link to RD Hospice in my bio anyone who donates if you leave a note saying Amy's tea day um, you're automatically entered into a raffle so I, the amount of prizes from the town that were sponsored like people are so good yeah. and even I got so many prizes so you're automatically entered into that raffle and then even with posting the prizes I've had more people say it's a great cause two brilliant causes I'll offer this I'll offer this people are like so generous not alone can you teach, you can sell too. You always remember <laughs> that, young one. Are you listening to me? Uh, but look, RD Hospice, what do you say about them? At the heart of the community, love the work they do. Wonderful. It's great that you picked them as your chosen yeah. charity as well. So people just check out Amy Moyna on yeah. social media. Yeah, so it's an Instagram or Facebook. I have the link in both of my bios. And then again, if you need my address, you can message me in either of them. I'll send it on for... Do you anything else to say to me? Are we done? That's, that's a bit of everything a <laughs> bit covered, of a fly through we've covered loads of ground I'm here today we have indeed anyway it's great to see you I congratulate you again I wish you all the very best in the final on the 4th of November we'll all be rooting for you come on the weekend <laughs> and Louth has a wonderful woman representing it this year may I say you have a wonderful personality <laughs> and more besides good luck to you thanks very Thank much Jerry. For thanks for having the me show on today. Amy Minot take care it's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm supposed to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Two, two, one on Tuesday. It just had to be him today. He's announced big dates for Dublin next May. I'm talking about one of my favourites, Mr. Brian Adams. He's the two on Tuesday today. And this song was the only single released from his first Greatest Hits compilation album. The only single from that one. In 1993, October it came out. It made seven in the USA. Number two, of course, in the UK chart, which is the one we work off each week. Described as a mournful romantic by critic Larry Flake. It's Mr. Brian Adams and please forgive me. Please forgive me. I know now what I do. Please forgive me. I can't stop loving you. Don't deny me this pain I'm going through. Please forgive me. I need you like I do.
Mr. Brian Adams with our two on Tuesday. Please forgive me. Oh, I love, love that song. I absolutely do. So, what kept it off? Top spot. It was at number two for three weeks, 31st of October, 7th of November and 14th of November in 1993 on the UK Top 100. Well, the song that kept it off top spot was this man's first and only UK number one single. It became the best-selling single of 1993 in the UK, a Grammy winner and all of 7 minutes, 52 seconds, which I can't give to you today. Anyway, the number one that kept Brian off top spot, here he is. It's Mr. Meatloaf. I know you can save me, no one else can save me now but you. As long as the planets are turning, as long as the stars are burning, as long as your dreams are burning too, you better believe it that I would do anything for love. Oh, I would do anything for Yes, Meatloaf. The big number one that prevented our Brian Adams, our two and Tuesday, making it to number one in the charts. So the jury now sits. I bang the gavel on the desk. My producer, Miss Louise Walsh, joins me. Well, which is for you? Brian Adams or Meatloaf? Please forgive you for playing them both. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, make a choice. Okay, I'll go Brian Adams. Oh, good on you. Yeah. I love Meatloaf and that is a great song. Yeah, but... yeah, I'll go Brian Adams too, even though uh, it's a little bit, as they said in the description. Mm. What did they say about Morose? Uh, yeah, Morose love song. Anyway, it's Brian Adams. He should have made number one, we say, on late lunch today. But there you are. History says different Tuesday. This time next week. I'll have to dig better than that. Louise ain't happy with me today. But there you go. That's the way. Need the a bit of drums crumbles. or something Okay, next okay, week. okay. I'll work, I'll work enough for next week. I promise you. And anyway, I'm going to roll the drums in a moment because somebody's joining me. I'm delighted to meet again. Her new memoir is called Caution to the Wind. Does she need any introduction? The wonderful Terry Prone in Studio Next. I have said this in the past, but today I really mean it because my next guest needs no introduction. When I just say the words Terry Prone, well, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? The PR doyen of Ireland, communications, broadcaster, writer. Is there no end to this woman's talent? Terry, it's great to see you again. I'm going to be insufferable for a week after that one. (laughs) Not at all. I mean every word of it. Oh, listen, it's great to see you again. It's been a while and you know, She's here because of this beautiful book. It's called Caution to the Wind by Terry Prone. And Matt Cooper says on the cover, and he is so true, I'm not fully finished it, so I'm not giving it to any of today until I get it fully finished. It's a searingly honest memoir. It's a beautiful love story, well, may I say. Thank you, sir. And a love story with a man from Cooley County Louth. Bringing it all back home today. That's why I'm delighted to have you here on Tom's territory here. A County Loud man, true and true, and the family as well, yes. steeped in the tradition of the Wee County. Look, I want to ask you this first, and I did mention it a moment ago off air. How are you doing without him? Badly, really, in that I thought that I was, I, I'm very sensible and I get on with stuff. And so I was back at work fairly quickly and that was great. But the thing about Tom Savage was that he was, he was easily the most interesting human being I ever met. And he was also the least sentimental. I mean, I remember him telling a journalist at one stage that 
living with me was like living with a leaky football that he got me home all collapsed at the end of the week and he would sort of reinflate me over... I mean, only a coolie man could be this romantic. (laughs) Um, He would reinflate me over the weekend and send me out again on Monday. And the problem is that I've got nobody to reinflate me now. I always had the sense uh, with Tom of somebody looking out for me. If I was in the car, the phone would go... And it sounds like he stalked me, but it wasn't like that. <laughs> he, he, he'd he come on and he'd say, where are you now? And it would usually be because he had figured I was lost. <laughs> and it was usually true because, you see, Tom had been a priest for many years. <laughs> and he had been a priest that was going round Ireland, given um, retreats and things. And... He also had been a fabulous athlete and a football player. And so there was no small road in Ireland that Tom didn't know. There was no quick way to get to somewhere that he didn't know. So he regarded rescuing me from being lost (laughs) as kind of his his daily function. (laughs) He had your back always, that is for sure. But when you mention he was a priest, God, it only dawned on me when reading the book that when he decided to leave the priesthood and then marry you, I only thought about it in the early 70s. Terry, my Mm -hmm. God almighty. And you write write about what it caused within both your immediate families. And you make an interesting distinction that very few people make. You said that when he decided to leave the priesthood and then later married me, I got very lucky in that I happened to be there after he had decided to leave the priesthood. But I wasn't the cause of him leaving the priesthood. But I think that obviously our two families, my family didn't like him because um, at some stage my mother said to him, you'll never get any work, you'll never be able to earn a living. And Tom said with great tranquility, Ah, Mrs. Brown, I can dig roads. Now, I thought that was very sweet. My mother did not think it was one bit sweet. She did not want her daughter married to somebody the height of whose ambition was digging roads. Um, and similarly, his family had huge problems with me. They, I think they saw me as some kind of malign figure As time went on, I think they realised, you know something, she doesn't have the wit or the looks or anything else to be what we thought she was (laughs) in the beginning. But when I was writing Caution to the Wind, I was I was very worried because what people do or did 30 years ago, it's not where they are now and Mm. you don't want to hurt people by telling how bad it was. But it was bad. Tom suffered greatly until everything evened itself out and his mother and father were just wonderful to mm. I dispute the looks, by the way. I'm opening the book here on the, on the pages that the pictures tell all. Go out of that. You were a looker and a half, I can tell you. And you still are. But here's the thing. You know, when you mention this family and that, uh, the day when he arrived up with Anton back home, by God, that was a nice break, though, wasn't it? He, I, I tell it in the book. Um, he had an aunt, Aunt Enna, and she sent him this lovely, lovely letter, which is in the book, saying more or less, don't worry, 
your mother will come around as soon as you have a baby and she meets the baby. And Tom took that as sort of advice. And when Anton was about three months old, put him in the car, headed up to Cooley into the bush and knocked on his parents' door. And when his mother opened the door, now they hadn't spoken for maybe three years. Um, when his mother opened the door, she, and Tom simply handed her the baby and she put her head down into the baby's lovely, sleepy face. And that was the end of any um, any gap between Tom and his family. And it was it was just blessed and fair dues to his aunt that had predicted it. Oh, my God, you tell that so beautifully. I could just picture the moment as you speak about it there. Then on from that, like your car accident, you've spoken about this extensively in the past and it's in the book as well. You mentioned uh, Tom saying to your mother about doing a number of jobs. By God, he had to do a number of jobs when you suffered that almost fatal accident. Because, you see, we were we were very poor when we started out together because I got fired from my job. He got fired from his job. And because he, he was incredibly generous, he was always giving people money. And so in the beginning, money was very tight. And he took, well, you know the feeling. He took every freelance job that was gone. And so he was producing RTE's Morning Ireland. He was then going into the company that he and Bunny Carr had started together and lecturing there. And then in the evening, he was the editor of the Irish Medical News. Now, that's a horrendous amount of work to do. And then after my car crash, I decided I was going home. Now, the hospital said, no, no, you can't go home. And I said, I'm going home. It was um, helped by the fact that the nurses had dropped me. And if you've got broken legs, broken ribs, your face is broken, your arm is broken, to be dropped from a height onto a floor is just agonising. And I decided I'm I'm not having this. I'm going home. And... When I could hear, Blanchardstown Hospital is built in a funny way because it used to be a fever hospital. So it has a long corridor and rooms off it. And so I could hear Tom arriving and the nurses accosting him and saying, Mr. Savage, um, your wife is a bit is a bit confused. She says she's going home. And Tom saying, oh, well, if she wants to go home, I'll take her home. And the nurse is saying, no, you don't understand Mr. Savage, your wife is a big, heavy woman. She's incapable of doing anything for herself because everything except her right arm is broken. You wouldn't be able to manage her. You wouldn't be able to lift her and carry her. And I could hear Tom's voice saying, Ah, do you know, I lifted syphilitic owl fellas for a time in my... And I'm going... What did my husband just say? And anyway, he came in, collected me, put me in the car. And when we were driving home, I said, what were you talking about, syphilitic fellows?" And he said, Tess, I was the first Roman Catholic priest who went to Queen's University, Belfast. And I did sociology there and psychology. And one of the placements I had to do was in Purdysburn Mental Hospital. And Purdysburn at that time was a dumping ground for men who had got 
this STD and where they hadn't been treated, they hadn't been diagnosed and they were in the last stages and that meant that they were effectively paralysed. And Tom said that as a very young, very fit athlete, he was a great asset to the hospital because he could lift and carry people. And as a result, he was able to lift and carry me and he literally did everything for me. He would uh, wash me, clean me, feed me, dose me because I that sounds like I was a sheep. But <laughs> do you know I a coolie man, coolie man, you know. <laughs> absolutely. Knows everything. everything. There had to be narcotics because I was in such pain all the time. And then he would leave me in the bed and head off and do all of his jobs Amazing. and just appear. He was a total hero. And one of the unusual things about him was he never expressed sympathy. He never said, God love you, Tess, isn't this an awful thing? No, it was, you're moving on, let's get on with it, we'll do stuff. You mentioned heavy there, that word. Yes. Six stone is the figure that you shed. Now, you've always been felt, you know, most people would say that, you know, the... When we see you on TV and we know you for years, but you weren't at one stage. Why and how long did you shed? Did it take you to shed well, that? What six happened stone? was that first of all, I lost a job through being fat, and I'm not going to use the word big because the man who effectively fired me, he was the artistic director of the Abbey Theatre. I was a young actor, and I was a bloody great young actor, but. He called me into his office this day and said that I was very good at what I did, but because I was so fat, he couldn't cast me as Juliet or as any young, attractive female character. And he said, so you're going to spend your time playing middle-aged character uh, roles I've loads of middle-aged character actors to play those roles. Why would you? And he sort of said, so lose weight. And you can't say to somebody, like, I've tried and I'm no good. I can lose weight for a time, but then it all goes back. And so I went into radio, which was great because they couldn't see you. And it wasn't until... <laughs> they must think we're uh, 40 stone here today, listen out there. We're not really, we're not really. <laughs> wasn't until years later that I actually lost mm. the weight. And that was another great thing about being married to Tom Savage. Because Tom believed that married couples should have a shared weight. Interesting. Which would have suited me very well because Tom was thin and I wasn't. (laughs) You know what? You tell it brilliantly. Stay there. Short break. Terry Prone is with us on Late Lunch. Caution to the wind is the memoir. What a love story. Go nowhere. Terry Prone is with me on Late Lunch and we're talking about her beautiful memoir called Caution to the Wind. And you know, I'm just thinking about our conversation so far. It's been all about Tom and your love for Tom because this is a beautiful love story. But here's one thing, and I know it's been mentioned before, and I think last time you were here a few years ago with me, you mentioned it. You were so different as well in ways in that you're not a woman that goes out to these functions or you've no time for anything like that. And he was sort of the public face. Yes. Is that what made it work in a, another on another level in your lives? In a weird way, it did, because the person who launched the book for me last week 
was Moira Gagan Quinn, former Minister for Justice, former European Commissioner, all that just. And she absolutely mortified me at the, the launch in Dubray because I had completely forgotten a desperate thing that she did on me. Well, she did it on Tom more than me. Um, at Tom's 50th birthday party, Maura Gagan Quinn sent along a French maid in fishnet tights and a tiny little miniskirt and a tiny frilly apron and a duster that she deployed all over my husband. And Tom's attitude was, OK, we live with this. She has this song that she has to sing and then she'd go away. But I was boiling with rage. I was just furious. But the thing about Gagan Quinn is that she had sort of... It was like a library that she could borrow Tom out of because I was never going anywhere. I had no social life. Her husband, John Quinn, was down in the west of Ireland running his business, so he couldn't come up every time she needed to go officially to the opera or to... So she would ring Tom and Tom would get his bib and tucker on and off he'd go and he'd escort Gagan Quinn. So he had a weird social life as the unofficial <laughs> escort of Moira Gagan Quinn while I was at home in bed reading books. Oh, Terry. Oh, Terry. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to tell you a little vignette about Moira Gagan Quinn. When I worked in the civil service many moons ago, there was a thing called Gilagris where you got leave to go and learn Irish and yes. the kids like a civil servant. And the first night we went there, Maura Gagan Quinn, who was a TD or whatever at the time and had responsibility for the Gale Duck, came along to officially open the session I was on. And I danced the first dance with her (laughs) (laughs) in the the Gale Duck. That's my claim to fame anyway. So maybe we have a tentative little link there. Were you jiving? Because she's a great jiver. She's a great jiver. I didn't get to the jive. I was just glad to get off the dance floor in the end. But anyway, that's just as an aside. Look, your love for Tom just emerges from these pages time after time. It really does. And I, I said there when we were just off mic, his love for his family and Cooley and North Loud was something else, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, I, all of the time, all of his references, even when he was advising Albert Reynolds. Um, do you remember, you may have forgotten, but Albert Reynolds at some stage described something in Leinster House, he described it as crap. And there was murder and mayhem. And everybody was saying, no, no, you have to take that back. You have to apologise. And he was, I will not apologise. It was crap. And uh, the next thing, Gagan Quinn wheeled Tom in and said, just get him to apologise and take it back. And uh, Albert looked at Tom and said, I'm not, I don't, don't you start. And Tom said, I'm, listen. I'm just telling you, my mother used to say that you really shouldn't put in your mouth something you wouldn't pick up on a shovel. And Albert looked at him and said, OK, mm. all right, I'll say sorry. Um, and that was classically, Tom, all of his references were Cooley, were County Louth. And he was, that's the other thing about the book. I was quite surprised that it went, I mean, Dubray weren't surprised, but I was, that in all of their chain of bookstores, it went to number one three days after it was published. But the Dubray manager said to me that one of the reasons was that it was funny. And one of the things that was funny was about Tom, that Tom 
was genuinely funny about stuff and made people laugh. And so, you know, even the fact that he, when he was, one of the things that he was proudest of was that he had an All-Ireland minor medal for County Louth. You can see even now I have to work about getting it right. And he was playing for Cooley, I presume, at some stage and the the match hinged on this penalty and didn't he miss the penalty? And oh the bitterness and twistedness and about a year later he was he had gone to somewhere else as as a priest and he was playing for the somewhere else and he nailed it with a fabulous uh, penalty and somebody shouted from the audience you couldn't do it when you were needed to do it <laughs> I love it. That's just us as well. That's just us. That sums us up as a people. We always have the turn of phrase, the Irish people. You live in the Martello in uh, North County, Dublin, and you share that with them there. And you're there yourself now, and it's a beautiful place. And you share your home with the public. This is the thing. You open up that place week on week for people to come and visit. Do you never feel intrusion from people arriving, you know? It's the oddest thing. I mean, people actually walk through my bedroom. (laughs) And it's very funny because the the tours stop in October. Um, And for I swear to God, for the entire winter, I don't make my bed. I don't think that making a bed is a thing. Do you know, I mean, you get out of a bed, it's completely clean. You're going to get back into it. Why would you do this thing of getting rid of all the wrinkles? But of course, during the summer, when people are going through the bedroom, um, I have to I have to get rid of all the wrinkles. And when Tom was alive, he he never did the tour. I do the tour. Um, there's nothing I don't know about Martello Towers. You'd be proud of me. But Tom used to sit beside the stove in the main round room at the bottom of the Martello. And as people would pass him and be talking, he'd suddenly say to them, hey, hang on a second. Which side of Belfast are you from? Or... That sounds like a North Cork accent. And within three minutes, I would be egging to get on with the tour and he would have found people that related to people or that somebody was somebody else's uncle. He was the most connected person and he would always link up with people. And the other thing he was great at was when he'd be starting a training course He'd be going round and getting the names of people, but he'd also be saying, hmm, you play golf. Or he'd be saying to another guy, you're a loose head prop. And the guy might say, well, actually, I'm a tight head prop. But I'd be looking at this thinking, how the hell does he know? But he would know because of the physical makeup of people and he would know because of names. So that's the thing about the book, that it gave me the opportunity to tell about us, to tell about... uh, One thing I do want to say is people have said to me, oh, I'm going to buy this for my mother. Don't bother buying it for your mother. With great respect, buy it for your daughter. Buy Caution to the Wind for your son. Because what it's about is somebody, me for starters, who couldn't add or subtract. 
and who became the most successful businesswoman in Ireland over 50 years. Now, I can make that claim because if you survived, you know, there's nobody to challenge you on. So I've survived the 50 years. You have more than survived. You've thrived and you're going to thrive for many more years to come. Thank you. We've had a beautiful conversation. Tom Savage is there. You know that he's smiling down on us today. You've done him proud. This book is simply beautiful. Thank I you congratulate so you. I'm very grateful. And I'm looking forward to finishing it. Caution to the wind, Terry Prone. It's been my pleasure today. Thank you so much, sir. Isn't she just the business, Terry Prone? She's simply lovely. And this book, oh my word, I books are a forte. One of our fortes, as you know, on late lunch. We love talking to authors of all shades about what they have to say between the covers of books. But this is an extra special book. Terry's written so many books in her time, but this is simply, simply beautiful. Caution to the Wind is the name of the book by Terry Prone. I so enjoyed the last half hour, I have to tell you. I really, really did. And thank you indeed for the lovely words that you've sent to me by WhatsApp or text there. Uh, oh, Jerry, you've got royalty on the, the show. An absolute legend, an amazing woman is Terry Prone. Some lady, I love her. So honest, so beautiful, says Maggie this afternoon. Another one coming in there to us. Um, oh, Jerry, what a beautiful lady, a wonderful interview. And so on and so on they go. And um, I was really touched by what she had to say. I have to say myself as well. Thank you indeed for all those lovely comments. And we wish Terry well with the book and all else besides. Now, uh, just to remind you that Cullen's Fun Fair, they're at the Dundalk Retail Park there behind Apple Green. They're there till Saturday, 6 o'clock each evening, open at 230 on Saturday afternoon, I have two VIP tickets, which each of them entitles to two people. A free ride on everything at Cullen's Fun Fair. Uh, and the winners today are Mary Murphy and Maureen Sheridan. Well done to both of you. We'll be in touch to make the arrangements there. And check out Cullen's uh, Fun Fair on Facebook. Louise, you have a WhatsApp. We get lots of messages to the show each day. But the, you, you have a wee audio message there, have we you? Have you, a, you want us to hear? Voice message, yeah. yeah. What's this? What's it about? What, what are we it's from about? Sheila. You were yeah. talking earlier about all the rain that's about to come. And yes sick of rain and all that. Yes. And she just said, well, you know what? We should actually embrace the rain because there's a lot of people who can't. So I'll just Let's try have a listen and play to what Sheila has to say. Let's have a go. Here we go. Hello, um, Sheila here. You're just talking about the weather and all the rain that's coming. Don't let people be. Just a message to say to people. Don't let the rain and the bad weather get you down. When, when it's when the sky is is on the ground and that the rain has fallen go outside and feel the breeze and feel the rain in your face and and be grateful that you can get up and go outside and feel the rain in your face there's hundreds of people that can't walk outside by themselves so be grateful be grateful for the rain be grateful that it's, it's there and it is what it is we're in ireland and be grateful that we can get outside and feel the breeze and the rain in our faces sheila I hear what you're saying. It's we lovely. all do. Lovely message mm-hmm. and Thanks, brings Sheila. it home to us. Thanks indeed for what's happening in that lovely message was today on Late Lunch. We do appreciate it. Just after 10 past three on Late Lunch in the year of our Lord, 2023, the month of October, the date is the 17th. Let's do this. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. 
and today it's... The number four from this week in 1995, and it was from this man's third studio album called Bombastic. And indeed, the song really was propelled to the top of the charts because of jeans. Yes, a Levi's ad put it up there among the very best top of the UK charts. Anyway, today, number four, top five countdown. It's Shaggy and Bombastic. Mr. Bombastic We want some bombastic, romantic, fantastic lover Shaggy Mr. Lover, Lover Romantic, mm. me fantastic Touch me on me box, she says Mr. Bombastic Why? Girl, your admiration, it lick me from the Shaggy and bombastic on your late lunch this afternoon. The number four from this very week in 1995. Unfortunately, if I could pick them, I wouldn't be playing that one. I don't get anything from that type of music. I really don't. Louise, what do you think? Is that up your street? Are you a, a bombastic type of person? I remember it was massive at its time, but no. It's just the same, isn't it? I I don't know what anybody ever saw. I think it was him. It's not memory serves me correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we we've agreed on the two on Tuesday, and we've agreed that uh, if we could uh, love it or shove it, we'd have shoved that one too. To use an old breakfast show on LMFM parlance. Anyway, what did you say from? uh, What did you say? Was it ninety two or ninety three that era? No, nineteen ninety five. Five. Nineteen ninety five. Top five countdown. Yeah, 1995 we're doing this week. Yeah, 1995, mid-90s. What did you say? We're going from what to what next? Going from bombastic to spudtastic. There you have it. Spudtastic next and late lunch. I say this and I mean it. She is one of our food heroes here in the North East. Always thinking outside the box, innovating and supplying us with the most beautiful food grown on the soil here in uh, this neck of the woods. Maria Flynn joins me on the line again. Afternoon, Maria. Hi, Jerry. How's how are things? Very good. Well, today is a special day for you guys at Ballamacenny Farm in conjunction with the wonderful chef, Mr. Connor Hapney. Tell our listeners what's happening. Oh, it's been it's just been amazing. Two days, yesterday and today. And I'm, I'm up here actually in Dundrum in the lovely Airfield Estate. Connor is here too. And uh, we're at the Food on the Edge Symposium, which happens every year. And it's just, it's a phenomenal place to be. And uh, lots of chefs and uh, food people from all over the world gather for the two days. So Connor and I thought, what better time to launch the purple potato salad than here and get feedback from the top as to what they think of it. And it's been phenomenal. Everybody loves it. And we're, we're just buzzing, really. <laughs> I ain't surprised. This is your Violetta. Yes, the Violetta potato, which is the purple flesh potato that the chefs absolutely love. But... Um, I think uh, about four years ago, I wanted, the talk came to my head about doing a purple potato salad. To my knowledge, and I I stand to be corrected, I don't think there's another one on the market in Ireland. And uh, look, we finally got it over the line. We have have it in a jar ready for retail. And we will also be doing two litre and five litre um, buckets for for hospitality, for trade, you know. So, and the great thing about being up here is we meet all the guys from... The shops, you know, the speciality food shops are all here, so they get to taste it and you get to talk to them firsthand about stocking and stuff like that, and that's been happening. So it's incredible. They love it? 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh, they just and you know it's you can see it's genuine on their faces. They they just really 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 love us. We were so nervous, so nervous. So we we got an innovation voucher uh, from Leo, and the recipe was developed by GMIT in Galway. Now I know that's called something. I think it's called ATU now, and uh, they developed the recipe. So we don't have a production kitchen on the farm yet, but we have plans now uh, for one. So in the meantime. Connor and myself are making it in small batches in his restaurant. Right. So um, that's how it's going to, to work for the next year anyway, I would think. And can you let us in on the secret? You know, when people think of potato salad, you know the run-of-the-mill stuff you'll get if you go into any deli or whatever. You have your potato yeah. in it and you have uh, your mayonnaise and maybe some people add a little bit of uh, 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 parsley or uh, maybe a little touch of yeah. onion or whatever. What's in your purple potato salad? Okay, well, we wanted it to be about the potato, and it very much is. And no, I've no problem sure the, the ingredients on the label. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I know, I know, but you see, so, we, we can't access it yet. So give us a yeah, come no, on, it's, this it's is the an, taster. It's, this yeah. one, this one is an oil-based one. Now okay. we do have another recipe for mayonnaise-based one, but we've decided to start with this oil-based one. It's actually New Grange Gold rapeseed oil, and we have some white wine vinegar, some uh, uh, whole grain mustard and some red onion. Lovely combination. And, all, and obviously the, the Violetta and all married together. It's absolutely beautiful. Now the thing is, um, we won't add preservatives into it. That's something I was quite, felt strongly about. So mm. it has a shelf life. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So um, it's a seven day shelf life, so it's not too bad. But when people buy it in the shop, hopefully, uh, when they get home, you know, they're going to be tucking in straight away. Oh, absolutely. I love that combination. Even as you mentioned the ingredients there, I think that's certainly a, a match made in heaven. So now that it's loved by the movers and shakers, <laughs> you, you're under little pressure now to get uh, a little production facility going and more like that. But that's you, Maria Flynn. As, you as David take says, it. Pressure, David says pressure is for tyres. <laughs> no, no, it's grand. It's grand. <laughs> we're, we're actually going to, yeah, we have plans of foot um, for a proper little farm shop which I've spoke to you about before yes. um, we'll, we'll graduate from the shed and we're going to make it a little bit bigger than originally planned and put in a um, put in a production kitchen so we can take control of this ourselves because yeah. Connor's doing me a favour really you know he's brilliant and helping me out with this but we can't we can't rely on him full time so uh, there will be a little production kitchen because we're um, we're also going to start making crisps, Sherry. So oh. there you go. You heard it first here. Oh, we have an exclusive <laughs> on late lunch today. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Bella McKenny. Crisps are coming your way yeah. in the Purple future. Purple and pink ones. I have Purple to and pink. say, yeah. you are yeah. just yourself and David there. You're fantastic people. Oh, and he's you're, brilliant. Sure, I couldn't yeah. do it without him. You know that. Know, he's brilliant. I know, I know, yeah. I know. He's fantastic. But look, You've whetted the appetites with the potato salad. You heard it exclusively on late lunch today. The we'll crisps drop are some, the We'll drop some into Jerry Journal. Oh, listen, okay? you're, you're so good. <laughs> Thanks, Amelia. Then, then myself and Louise can definitely, you know, tell the listeners, well, we've tasted it ourselves and we love it. We're going to love it anyway. I know that yeah. for sure. Yeah. Anyway, look, good luck to you uh, with all that's going on there this afternoon. I congratulate Connor as well. And we'll be I talking will. soon. He, he's been he's been doing a masterclass here. He's, I know. he's doing fabulous stuff here as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it, look, it's just an amazing two days. Great feedback. And thanks to you and Louise for recognising us and, and giving us the shout out. We appreciate it. Not at all. That's what we're here for, to help the local community in any way we can. That's LMFM's remit. Thank you very much, Maria.
Talk to you soon, Jerry. Bye Take bye care now. now. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Maria Flynn there from Ballamckenny Farm with their new uh, purple potato salad. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the drive here on LMFM Radio. See you tomorrow at half one. Even if I had 20 in my hands, oh baby, I'll touch it hurts more than hangovers. No, that bottle don't hold the same regret. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.